In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Bart Waldeck, Chief Marketing Officer, SVB of Product Strategy at Tango. Bart, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. If, if you don't mind, uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit, a little bit about yourself and Tango, if you don't mind. So Tango, I'll start there, and then it'll make a little bit more sense uh, with my background. So we are a store lifecycle management software company. So we really help retail and restaurant organizations manage the brick-and-mortar side of their business, kind of from cradle to grave. That's everything from initially helping set location strategy. So how many locations should I have in a market? Where should they be positioned relative to competition and customer demand and other types of elements and, and, you know, doing sales forecasting and market optimization to really, you know, drive those location strategies. And then our platform goes on to manage the real estate transactions. So most real retailers look at somewhere between three and five locations for every store that they open. So you need to kind of assess all those different real estate options and, and bring one of those to committee that you want to get approved for the store you want to open. And in some cases, you know, dozens, hundreds, or even thousands of stores. Uh, that, that our customers are, are opening. And then we have design and build. So we actually help them use our software to build the location itself with their general contractor. And once the location is open, uh, we manage all the payment of occupancy costs. So that's rent, common area maintenance, taxes, and things such as that. And then lastly, maintenance. So keeping the stores maintenance-free for customers to have a, a good experience and to make sure it doesn't have any impact to operations. So I know that's a lot, but it's kind of a soup to nuts uh, suite of applications that help major retailers manage it. So I've been in this niche uh, personally for, for many years, both on the product side and on the marketing side of this. Give us a little bit more as far as what are the types of clients that use your services? Sure. We, we do all types of kind of segment, segments within retail and restaurant. We have on the restaurant side, for example, QSR, one of our biggest customers is Yum Brands, uh, if you're familiar with them, KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Uh, so they're using our software in 140 different countries to kind of manage the real estate and store and brick and mortar uh, footprint. Uh, we also have, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, you name it on the, um, you know, Panera Bread, a lot of these major uh, restaurant concepts, Darden Restaurants as an example, is another one more in the in the casual dining area. On the retail side, we handle everything from kind of off-mall to in-mall to freestanding. So customers there, such as Big Lots or H&M or The Gap, uh, American Eagle. We also have a lot of uh, kind of gas and convenience-based uh, customers, Wawa, Sheets, and, and others. So we kind of cover every gamut of real estate and, and segment of retail. Makes sense. Makes sense. And if, I, if I'm a retailer or a restaurateur here, I come to you, you know, you help me select the locations. Do you help me also maybe negotiate the lease or is that all on me? Well, it's all on you as it relates to any of these activities, but the software helps enable that. So for example, you have real, you know, retailers have real estate managers that are typically at a market level. You know, say for example, where I'm based here in Chicago, 
Uh, most retailers we have a real estate manager who works with a local broker and they do the negotiations with the landlords, but we provide the data and the analytics that help them understand, you know, what's a good going uh, rental rate within the market itself. We also provide analytics in case the landlord they're negotiating with is an existing landlord. So many of these large landlords like Simon or General Growth, you know, there's lots of locations. So we, we give them analytics for that. As you've been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we, we've, of course, entered, I'd say for the last, uh, what has it been now, like 14, 13, 14 months, we've been, you know, in different days, if you will, uh, with COVID. What have you seen kind of change as you've been you know, advising companies and working with different companies? What's changed with uh, consumer buying behaviors during this time? You know, it's been an interesting time, as you know, back last, you know, spring, you know, a year ago, basically, when everything shut down, all retail and restaurant concepts were forced 100% into pickup and delivery, right? So everything went online. So the ordering went online, you know, that would be delivered or you'd maybe go pick up at the store itself. So that was a huge change for both consumers and for the retailers trying to service under that climate. So kind of the acceleration of e-commerce is a huge, uh, number one, I'd say, change in buying behaviors. And I think the debate that's going on now is how much of that is going to stick post-pandemic. And the consensus seems to be that we've accelerated anywhere from five to 10 years in e-commerce. We were obviously trending that way for quite a while, although it's still at, at you know pre-pandemic period, nine out of $10 were still being spent within a brick and mortar store. So minus the retail apocalypse press that, that's often out there, stores were still the main place where transactions occurred. And we don't see that changing, but the role of the store is changing. And I think, you know, hopefully we have an opportunity to talk about that a little bit more. So that's kind of one trend. The other big trend has been a a move away from brand loyalty or an erosion of brand loyalty. You know, during the pandemic, many customers were forced, whether it be for safety reasons or availability of products, to switch brands. And we believe that is actually going to stick. There's some recent uh, data from McKinsey that found 75% of U.S. consumers during the pandemic tried a new shopping behavior a new brand, and they intend to, they intend to do so uh, kind of after the crisis is over. So brand loyalty is at a minimum now, and you really need to deliver at every point uh, go forward in order to keep customers. Next, safety and convenience, right? So everybody's concerned about their own safety and, you know, quite frankly, concerned about the folks working at the stores and the frontline people and their safety. So that and convenience and the ability to have kind of an in and out frictionless transaction at a store level is a big trend. And then I'd say lastly, probably omni-channel is finally here. Uh, it's been a term that's been around for a long time, but most retailers were not in an omni-channel kind of model prior to the pandemic. They were in a multi-channel model. So what do I mean by that? Prior to multi-channel, most activity occurred in one channel. That'd be the store. You go to the store, you buy something. Then as the internet came on and e-commerce, we started to have the online channel. But online and brick and mortar tended not to cross. You either in one or the other and you completed your transaction completely in one or the other. And now in omni-channel, I may order online and pick up at the store, you know, or the famous uh, BOPIS, you know, buy online, pick up at store. You need to have seamless touch points for customers across digital and physical. And that's really a game changer. So I think those are the main kind of consumer changes and trends. Are some of these going uh, to outlive the pandemic or some of these going to go back to or used to kind of pre-pandemic, or what are, what are your thoughts around that? I think that, I think all those I highlighted are going to 
not be as extreme as they were during the pandemic, but they're going to be much further along than they were prior to the pandemic. Many of the trends were occurring in those areas, uh, but this has just accelerated that across the board. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think we're going to see a little you know, kind of toning down, if you will, of of some of these areas that you talked about. But but to your point, these are going to be the areas of focus, if you will, regardless of the fact. I think as we as we think about retail, and you actually started to talk about this, the you know the the role of the store kind of going forward, if you will. What do you feel like Bart is is going to be that that role? Story? Are things going to change, or are we going to again go back to uh, level of normalcy? I guess pre uh, normalcy pre- previous to the pandemic. Well, as I mentioned before, I mean, and and you, I'm sure, have the same sentiment that you know the retail apocalypse has been going on for years, right? If you believe the press, and I think the reality is that the move to online purchasing has accelerated the demise of some of the less prepared retailers out there, so it kind of hastened their departure. But I don't think that you know I, I should say I think it's been overblown, and that's even coming to a, a higher level here with what's happened during the pandemic. But the interesting reality is when you unpack it, the store is arguably more important than ever as kind of the anchor to an omni-channel strategy. So we've worked with a number of retailers out there to kind of talk about what we call the three R's of recovery. For us, that's really reorient, recalibrate, and reposition, I should say. So what do I mean by that? You know, just kind of keep it brief. I could talk about each of these for a long time, but Reorienting is about really developing a holistic cross-channel view of the evolving pandemic and now as we're getting towards a post-pandemic consumer in an effort to kind of be able to execute this cross-channel strategy that has a big element of online uh, and delivery and, and, and pickup. So that has put a different kind of view on the customer and, and the overall retail organization needs to be thinking of the consumer more holistically and understanding them more holistically in order to move forward. And as that relates to brick and mortar, as I mentioned before, a lot of what we do is around sales forecasting for new locations or sales forecasting for remodels or market optimization. And the second R is really about recalibrating those models where historically we've used the historic, you know, excuse me, the rear view mirror of what's going on with retailers to kind of forecast what sales will be in a new location. Now we need to think of it differently to also be inclusive of not just in-store, but also online and pickup, which changes trade areas of stores. And lastly, reposition. So once you kind of determine what the new strategy needs to be for brick and mortar to handle uh, your pickup and your delivery, and also kind of the changes to the box itself, you need to reposition. You need to potentially move, you know, relocate stores to fit more of an omni-channel optimization than you are an in-store optimization. And as I mentioned, you also need to change store formats. And a lot of retailers have attempted to do this under duress during the pandemic where they need to figure out a way to have better pickup areas or have more space in the store for inventory to deliver out of the store and or support pickup and things like that. So those are the real three R's that we think uh, need to be focused on. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And Bart, as you're, as you're thinking about this, you know, one of, one of the common questions that we get um, from, from companies that we work with or, you know, prospective companies is, you know, I have, you know, let's say 10, 20 locations and, you know, omnichannel, we, again, you know, I know we've talked about it for a number of years and, and I, I, I like the way that you put it. It's really multi-channel has been really the focus pre-pandemic. As a lot of these, you know, I, I'd say mid-sized or growing companies start to really think about 
hey, how do I actually create this really you know, inclusive online in-store process all the way from inventory to merchandising to communication and all that? What are some advice points that you have for these companies of where to start and how to think about things at a high level? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, you really need to start thinking about the customer differently and understanding how the transaction model will change to be more diversified with pickup and delivery. And a lot of retailers need to figure out what's the best way to handle that. If you really think about it, the store plays a role in three different areas. If you, if you kind of look at the way a transaction typically occurs, right? You can you have to purchase, make the purchase that could be in line or that could be a, at a store. You need to fulfill that from an inventory perspective, source it, if you will, and then you need the final delivery to be made to the customer. So the fulfillment side of the inventory can happen from a warehouse or it could happen from a store. And the kind of end receipt of the goods could be pick up at store, shop in store, or delivery. So if you kind of break that down, and we've done this analysis, the store plays a pivotal role in, in three out of the, excuse me, two out of the three of those in most scenarios. And then when you lay the different types of, of transactions flowing through each of those permutations, the store is even more important. So it just reinforces the fact you need to reassess the store for in-store pickup and delivery. So you need to look at things such as dedicated space for additional inventory. We have folks like more sophisticated retailers who are ahead of the curve, like a Walmart, for example. They're expanding with this kind of flexible warehouse, attaching it to the side of a of a location, consuming some of their parking, but then also being able to carry more inventory and understand what they can deliver from the store itself or for pickup uh, as well. So that's one thing. You also need to work closely with your delivery partners. A lot of smaller and mid-sized retailers are relying on third-party logistics companies, whether that's an Instacart, whether that's a you know Uber Eats on the food side, um, that are really the last mile to the customer. And trying not to have a fractured experience for the customer where it's kind of finger pointing between the two is really important. And striking those deals with those delivery services uh, to fulfill that, that ultimate need. Those are some of the, some of the two things that I would, I would focus on if I was a smaller or mid-sized. Makes sense. Makes sense. As we're thinking about really the play-in with technology, how can retailers utilize technology to help them really connect with their customers better and or be able to communicate and or be able to really create this cohesive experience between online and offline? Not to sound like a broken record, but just to go back to some of the themes you know, I've talked about, this idea of an omni-channel, single view of an omni-channel customer within an organization. If you look at most retail organizations, they are siloed as it relates to the customer. So real estate has a certain lens on the customer, and it's a location-centric lens. And it's really about figuring out where do I put stores to maximize revenue and profitability. For marketing, it's really about how do I create awareness within our target customers? How do I promote them and how do I drive traffic either online or to stores? And then if you look at merchandising department, kind of the third leg of the stool, they're really about trying to find and identify and and provide the right product, the right price to the target customer at the right time. So unfortunately, in most organizations today, those are siloed groups, use their own processes. They have different staff their own modeling uh, and technology, and they're not looking at holistically. And in order to connect the dots holistically, you need to invest in that view. So that means using the same data sets, cross 
pollinating your teams to be working together to solve these problems, I think it is really important. And technology is the, the key to making that happen. An example there, what we do with some of our customers, we're able to, for example, geofence a location and a competitor's location. And when someone enters the competitor's location store, we can anonymously understand who that customer is through their device. And then we can market directly to them, whether that's digitally or whether that's to the most likely place that they live or work. So that's an, a concept of where you're taking marketing and you're taking real estate and putting them together to try to touch someone from an omni-channel perspective. The other thing I'd say to invest in is, you know, there's a lot of new opportunities with artificial intelligence and machine learning to help throughout, you know, retail itself, but specifically as it relates to the brick and mortar side of things. I think I might've mentioned before that normally sales forecast models, and this is like, for example, we're the gap and we want to open a new store in the city if we're going to put it at first in Maine, it's going to do X million of dollar year one, and it'll do a certain amount of, uh, of maturity ramping in year two and three, and then it's going to level out and comp out from a comp sales perspective over time. That's the sales forecast, right? So it helps justify investment stores. And looking at that with a rear view mirror approach is not working today for retailers because past performance because of all these changes to the way consumers are behaving is not indicative of future behavior. So the good news is there's technology out there with machine learning and new data sets and things to provide a much more real-time view of what's going on uh, with the consumer and, and as it relates to a particular location or geography. And investing in those capabilities allow you to make more informed bets as it relates to your real estate. Because every time a retailer signs a lease, it's you know a five, 10-year commitment. And if you're in the wrong spot, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. So having more real-time models uh, using more contemporary technology like machine learning really helps with making brick-and-mortar decisions. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you brought something up that we actually get a lot of questions on. I'm a brick-and-mortar operator. Location seems to be important, but, you know, with the pandemic, is it as important? What is your thoughts around that? What, what are some, you know, is location still key? Um, or is that evolved and change? It may sound self-serving, but you know, in our opinion, it's more important than ever because, as I mentioned, those touch points that the store has in an omni-channel environment. So it's either going to be where you buy it, it's going to be where the inventory is sourced, is sourced from, or where you take possession of the goods. In all the different permutations of how you can buy things today and, and receive them, the store is going to be checking two out of three of those boxes most of the time. So it's almost more important now that you have, you know, an optimal trade area. That's what we, we say for, for location. So that trade area typically has been, okay, let me, let me draw the polygon around the store, or maybe it's a five minute drive time or whatever it is that defines the trade area of where the majority of customers are drawn from to come into the store. But now we need to lay over the top of that, a delivery trade area. So maybe my delivery radius is much further out than what consumers are willing to come in and drive themselves to get. And, and lastly, for the pickup. So you really have these overlapping trade areas that need to define where locations go when you're going to need to move the chess pieces around the board to try to optimize that. And, you know, not having it right, you can see what's happening in a lot of the retailers. Um, some of the retailers that have invested quite heavily prior to the pandemic into this digital transformation, folks like Target or Walmart or McDonald's or Panera Bread, they saw a massive shift in their businesses and they were able to, to service that. And if you're not positioned, 
you'll end up losing and being pushed out of the market. And that's what I think is driving a lot of the bankruptcies uh, out there today are the less prepared retailers. So um, yeah, yeah, location is more important uh, than ever. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that as well. I think there's a different different um, reasons for you know going in different locations, uh, depending on if you, if you should be in a mall location or a freestanding location or in a rural area or more kind of downtown. But I think uh, I, I'm 100% with you in the sense that location is key and uh, you got to make sure you make those decisions correctly. And as you said, you know, you're getting into a typically a five or 10 or 15 year lease. So a longer term decision by all means. As you think about um, location, uh, Bart, I think one of the questions also that we get is on the flip side. You know, I, I've been running this online, successful online business. You know, I, I do millions a year now. And, you know, one, one of the questions I'm getting from, from my customers is, well, can I, can I pick up locally? And so I, I'm starting to think about now adding, you know, locations to my, you know, online, you know, storefront, if you will, and, and, and create more of a both online and offline type experience for customers. How do you approach that? If you're a customer... That's thinking about that, or I'm sorry, if you're a retailer that's thinking about that, how do you approach that? That's a great question. You know, we have some customers that have a similar path where you you start direct to consumer and then you move into kind of a hybrid. You know, uh, Casper mattresses, for example, is one of our clients that that does that uh, quite successfully. It's a tough question. Uh, you know, one way to start is to actually think of what. Kohl's has done and done very successfully as it relates to embedding Amazon lockers within their stores uh, for both pickup and returns. And it is driven, I don't remember the stat off my head, I just recently saw an article, but it's driven a massive amount of foot traffic into the stores for them that have really assisted uh, in their own business in addition to helping you know the Amazon customers themselves. Because maybe you go in and pick something up, and while you're there, you you buy a shirt or you buy you know something else from from Kohl's itself. So one step of kind of putting your toe in the water is to look for opportunities for kind of a pickup and drop off type of example. And I've seen that actually happen. And there's some services out there now that allow you to sign up with them. And they have these kind of points of distribution that can be leveraged, and it's just other stores that are willing to take in or uh, allow you to pick up things. Um, so that's one way to do it. The other way to do it, though, is if you're willing to make the major investment in actual brick and mortar, you need to be really smart and, and kind of look at where your purchases are coming from and try to understand what is the optimal location to facilitate that kind of drop off and, and pick up. So in, in your example, are you looking for an actual showroom in addition to kind of a pick up and drop off? Or is it more just kind of transactionally to be able to transfer goods? Yeah, I think, I think it's dependent on the brand. And we get questions from, from all, you know, uh, all different types of brands in the sense of, yeah, I want a showroom or, you know, to your point, I just want to pick up and, and drop off. And then there, there's other, you know, kind of, I guess, more experience-related brands where it's, it's maybe not a full showroom, but I want to, you know, try a few different things and then be able to scan my phone and maybe we'll look at them, uh, you know, at home or whatever the case may be, right? It's kind of like, a smaller showroom footprint where it's right in the middle. So, you know, across the board is, is, is really like for different brands, there's different examples here. Yeah. Store and store is another big one that uh, continues to be a trend that, that's growing. I think it's moving away from its original home, which was inside the department stores, which are still hurting quite a bit uh, in this time frame. But you look at like a Sephora, you look at some of these others that even what a Best Buy has been able to do, you know, they just recently announced they're going to be reducing about 15% of their square footage 
at a store level, we're dedicating that to additional inventory, you know, along the lines of what we've been talking about. But then they're also kind of doubling down on these vignettes of store and store concepts for different brands that they can get kind of that showroom feel within somebody else's box. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, uh, and I know we haven't really been able to, uh, you know, kind of shop as, as, as we were prior to the pandemic, but if you're, if you're shopping and you're going into a location, what are some of the, the, the fun brands that you like to shop with? It's interesting when the pandemic hit, you know, I started ordering groceries online, which is something I've never done before. And it's really tough to beat. It's just a fantastic experience. Uh, at least it has been like I use Whole Foods as an example. I wish Trader Joe's in my neighborhood uh, delivered, but they don't do that quite yet. But Whole Foods, do. <laughs> Whole Foods has been a great experience where you just have a complete omni-channel experience. So from my Amazon app to you know putting it on Alexa to what I want to buy to transferring that over to online to ordering it and having it delivered same day you know, being able to watch it where in my head, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be coming from the store down the street. But when I'm tracking my order, I see, oh, it's coming from downtown Chicago. That's crazy. Why isn't it coming from, you know, a mile away? But it, it's just been a great experience. And they, if you've got any problem with the delivery, or maybe they mispacked something or the wrong thing, no questions asked, you know, I've had friends, you know, $30, $40 credits coming back on a delivery itself because of some mistakes and it really builds that kind of trust and with the brand. So I think that's been a, a, a great experience uh, on our side. I, I call that out. Well, that was, that was a wealth of information, Bart. Thank you much uh, for that. What are some fun things that you like to do in the Chicago area once things open back up? Oh uh, gosh, you know, I, I miss going out and having a nice dinner. Um, I uh, travel quite a bit for work and um Good and bad, right? You get to eat out a lot. Um, yeah, right. And I, I haven't done that in, in almost a year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down with my wife and, and kids at a nice outdoor patio when it warms up a little bit and having a nice dinner and enjoying uh, summertime in Chicago. I'm excited to go to a, a baseball game or something like that that uh, feels a little bit uh, normal again. But just get out and about. So I'm looking forward to the change in weather. Yeah, no, no, likewise, likewise. And, and I think now getting into the summer, hopefully, hopefully things open up a little bit more. We can all enjoy the out, outdoors, if you will. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking some time with, uh, with me and, the, and some of our listeners here and uh, appreciate you uh, sharing uh, your expertise. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and maybe we can uh, switch chairs and I can have you on my location is everything podcast. So uh, Absolutely. <laughs> see if we can make we that work. Love it. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Perfect. Absolutely. Cheers. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in the show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.